Hello and welcome to the Messages and Methods Livecast Life 2.0 Livestream Podcast hosted by Encore Entrepreneurs, Shelley Carney and Toby Yunus. We inspire excitement for content creation and marketing your brand and business while answering all your technology and digital marketing questions. Join us as we interview experts who share their knowledge and experience to provide actionable tips to land more clients, nurture leads, and position yourself as an expert in your industry. Chat with Shelly and Toby every Wednesday on YouTube or Facebook. All right. Hello and welcome to Messages and Methods. I'm your host, Shelly Carney. And I'm Shelly's co-host, Toby Eunice. And today we have a very special guest with us, Dr. Ty Belknap, and we're going to be talking with him about websites and SEO and all things digital marketing. But before that, uh, Toby has a couple of things he wants to share. I do want to share this. First of all, I want to share that Shelly and I have released our uh, second book. It's called Women in Podcasting. It's based on the interviews that we did at the uh, She Podcasts Live 2021 back in October in Scottsdale, 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 Arizona. (laughs) And uh, we turned those interviews into a book. It was released last week on Amazon. And I will put a link in the chat room so that you guys can find that. If you're interested, you can get it both in paperback and in Kindle form. And if you belong to the Kindle Unlimited Club, I don't know. Apparently, I do belong to it because you're looking at my Amazon page. Uh, But if you belong to Kindle Unlimited, you get it for you can download it for free. The advantage of getting the Kindle book is aside from the fact that it's searchable and things like that. The pictures, we included uh, portraits of each of the individuals that we interviewed. And in the book, they're in black and white. They're very good black and white. But in the paperback. In the, I'm sorry, in the paperback, they're black and white. In the Kindle book, they're in color, and they're just beautiful, if I do say so, even though I took them. All right, I'll admit it. I took them. The uh, second thing that I wanted to mention is that, as you know, Shelly has been co-hosting a uh, a podcast, a show, along with her partner, Jen McFarland, who was one of the women that we interviewed at the She Podcasts. Um, and uh, they've been doing a lot of work in partnership with each other. And uh, they use the Women uh, Conquer Business podcast, I'm, I'm sorry, website to post their content. And uh, this week, Shelly posted a an extremely long informative. And, <laughs> it's extremely long. No, no. Well, I mean, makes it's, it sound boring. No, it isn't. TLDR. I mean, okay. No, this is one of those. It's not too long and you should read it. It's uh, Shelly's live streaming top uh, 10 tips to create business building content consistently. And it is uh, basically a summary of all the things that we recommend to our clients. It is well-written. Uh, it is well-composed, well-written. And Jen and Shelly work together to turn it into this really informative uh, blog post. That's what I meant to say. Not really long. It's yeah. really informative blog that's post. Right. Uh, but I will post that link. Uh, engaging. That's right. That's a good <laughs> word for it. But I will post that link in the uh, chat room as well while uh, Shelly and Ty get started here. Shelly, back to you. All right. Well, let's get started with our conversation today with Dr. Ty. Uh why don't you tell us about yourself and your business and what it is that you do for clients and who you serve? Fantastic. Thanks, Charlie and Toby. I'm really glad to be here today. I'm Dr. Ty Bell now. 
And I got to tell you that I say that a lot. I don't tell you to impress you with the title. I like saying it because in all honesty, it impresses me because as a teenager, I was homeless. And so for me to say, Dr. Ty Belknap is it, it helps me to realize where I came from and how far that I've gone in my life from then to until now. I run an SEO and online marketing business. And we're actually kind of transitioning a little bit this year to helping companies work and understand their online strategy more than anything else. We've been working a lot with on website optimization, helping them get to the top of the search engine thing and things like that. But we're realizing that a lot of companies maybe don't have that overall strategy of where to go for their business. So we've been helping a lot that well, excuse me, without a lot more this year as well. That's awesome because I know a lot of times we we just try things and try things and try things and we don't ever sit down and plan and strategize mm -hmm. and say, this is working, let's do more of this. And this isn't working, so let's get rid of that. And and here's the days we're going to do such and such and so and so. Uh, so making that happen, sometimes we really do need to reach out to a third party who, with fresh eyes to say, okay, let's, you know, strategize, let's put this into a streamlined uh, thing, you know, calendar so that you can do the same things that are working and really focus in on that. So that's exactly. great, super helpful. So uh, Ty, I, I really enjoyed hearing, uh, you know, this is the third time we've had Ty on our program. Uh, we had him on at the end of last year. We had him on for the panel because we liked him so much. And we wanted to give him the opportunity to answer some of the questions that we've been, that we asked him last week and we'll continue to ask over the next 20 weeks or so, uh, because he always has these very comprehensive and complete answers. Uh, and um, uh, we started the planning uh, or, or the uh, the, the um, panel program with this question. So uh, uh, Ty, what have you learned about digital marketing in the last two years? Digital marketing has changed drastically in the last two years. At least that's what you'll read all over the internet. But in reality, it hasn't changed hardly at all. We were doing video before COVID started. We were doing Zoom, we were doing StreamYard, we were doing email marketing. It, really the big thing to me that I see that has changed is that it's forced people who don't want to change <laughs> to change. We had, a and this is a perfect example, we had a mom and pop restaurant in the, in the Tacoma where I live and they have some of the most amazing food. I'm sure it's terrible for you, but it tastes so great. And they're cash only. They didn't even accept credit cards. You could do takeout, but you had to go to the restaurant to order the takeout. You couldn't even call them to do takeout. And when COVID hit, they shut down. Most of the restaurants in our area did shut down for, for a while, at least the local ones. But then they realized they had, if they wanted to stay in business, they had to start doing stuff online. And so they scrambled. This is one of the restaurants that we actually helped at no charge. Um, we helped several of them in the area because they just, I mean, they've been closed for three or four months. They had no money left at all. And they were trying, now they're trying to figure out how to get customers again so that they don't just go out of business. And we helped them to get online and we helped them to get credit card process. They didn't even have credit card processing. And this is, you know, 2020, they didn't have credit card processing. 
and so that to me that's the big thing and it's funny because i actually talked about this with with a friend of mine just earlier today how our bodies actually our bodies are made to where they try to figure out how to do a certain task using the least amount of energy because they want to our bodies want to save that energy for an emergency and so the more we do a certain task the less energy it takes to do that because our body figures out the most efficient way to do that but what it does is that our bodies are also telling us that it's we're resistant to change but if if COVID taught us anything it taught us that we have to change and sometimes we have to change quickly and so I would say that's really the biggest lesson that we can learn from the last two years is that we need to constantly look at what at least may need to change. Not necessarily that we have to change quickly, but we need to constantly look at the things to where we can change. I, I think that's true. I think most, most of us, most human beings uh, have a tendency to uh, not take the pivot. It's easier to proceed yeah. forward no matter, no matter how uh, bad the future of moving forward is. Uh, and I think what we've learned, at least I feel like Shelley and I have, and some of our friends have, is that make the pivot. It's not going to put you any worse off than going off into the future, having to deal with a new business model as a result of the pandemic. So, Shelley. Right. Well, while we're on the topic of change, and because you've been in the industry for more than 20 years, uh, uh, we, we, know that you have some insights to help with this question, but how will digital marketing for entrepreneurs and small business owners change in the next 12 months? You know, shall actually remind it, or thank you for reminding me of that. In two months, April of 2022 will be my 20 year anniversary. We're trying to figure out something to do with that. So I will- Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we'll have been in digital marketing for 20 years in April of this year. The next 12 months, I think it's it's going to be, I hate to say it this way, but kind of more of the same or learning how to do more of the same. It's really learning how to do online marketing even better. And I think just like what you guys train people to do, video and audio are going to be, become even more important. That whole two-week shutdown when COVID first started in March of 2020 that has lasted a year, almost two years now, we now know there's no going back. There's only going forward. And going forward is video and audio. And I think the more we can do work with video and audio, the better. Google hasn't announced this officially yet, but I've been watching on their YouTube channel especially, the way that they transcribe videos has grown by leaps and bounds these last two years. Before that, it seemed like it was kind of a second back burner kind of thing that they were kind of working on. It's getting to the point where I think that they're actually going to announce that you don't even have to put descriptions into your YouTube videos anymore. They're just going to transcribe them automatically. Wow. So that would be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for, yeah. For us people that do videos, that's going to be awesome because all these transcribing that we do now is just, yeah, I do a lot of that myself and don't, don't quote me on it because like I said, they haven't announced it, but I just, I see that their, their transcribing is getting better and better all the time. So it's not going to be long. It's not going to be long before we don't have to worry about that with videos or audio. That, that'll, that's going to be exciting because it'll help us. It'll help us in terms of uh, content distribution. Um, yeah. So I, I, I wanted to say something. I want to add something to what you were saying, 
and now because I'm an old man, I forgot it. So I'm going to go ahead and ask the question. Well, let me add something. Okay, Maybe you'll ahead. think of it. I know that um, in podcasting, there have been uh, the hearing impaired community has really stepped up their demands for transcription of podcasts from those uh, large carriers like Spotify. So uh, I, I see it really moving forward quickly because of that. What do you think of that? Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. So uh, I remembered what I wanted to say uh, as an example of what you were saying. We uh, consistently use a product called Descript, which I know you're familiar with, and yep. we recommend to our clients. Descript takes your audio and your video, actually, and it transcribes it for you automatically. Now you have to clean it up, obviously. But one of the features that they've recently added to Descript is you can highlight a segment of your transcription and using the audio that you used for the transcription, it produces an audiogram, a very nice audiogram. I'm really oh. impressed with what they've done. So it kind of gives you the ability to, I'm transcribing some audio or video. Uh, I bring it into Descript, it handles that, it gives me a transcription and then it says, select a section of this and turn it into an audiogram. And I thought to myself, that's kind of interesting. They're looking at it you know, they're a transcription company. Take yeah. audio and transcribe it into text. And now they're creating a new option for a tool that's very popular in order to promote your podcast or your uh, YouTube video. We'll take, we'll take segments of this conversation that we're having with Ty and we'll turn those into audiograms to promote this uh, video that will be produced as a result of StreamYard. So, uh, so yeah. what, do you, what do you see as the most prevalent obstacle to people, you know, moving into this new world, aside from the fact that we're all anxious and sometimes fearful, what's the biggest obstacle they face? I would say the biggest obstacle they face, and this, this is brand new, it's only been an obstacle for about 20 years now. <laughs> Content. Content is back in, I actually did my very first website in 1995. It's when I started freelancing. So I've actually been doing this for longer, but my business has been since 2002. Even, even in 1995, Yahoo was just getting out onto the scene. Google wasn't even here yet. And even then you had to have good content on your website to get higher in the search engines. Today, you have to have good content on your website to get higher in the search engines. And think about everything we do with video and audio. Does Google actually look at the video? No, it transcribes it into text and uses that content. So content is just so huge. But being able to write good content is tough. And in fact, I may actually do a training on that because there are things that you can learn to, to get your content better for both people and for search engines. But I really see that as the biggest obstacle. It's been the biggest obstacle for 20 years now. And people will talk about all these other things, but really when it boils down to it, it's content. It's the quality of the content that's on the website, on your social media. It doesn't matter where it is. I think that really is the biggest obstacle. You know, uh, there was uh, for years, you you heard it, of course, uh, uh, the old saying that content is king. Mm -hmm. And I used to correct people and I would say it's not king, it's necessary. And there's <laughs> a big difference be be between uh, people were, were saying that because they knew how Google treated content. Mm 
Yeah. Uh, and that's what made it king. So as long as you were producing content, you were fine. But in this day and age, it's necessary. And you have a lot of options when it comes to that. You know, again, you, I'm not going to give you our speech about content management, but um, that's that's what we do. And we do it for a reason. And that's why, for example, you can see what Shelley's done with the conversation that she had, turning that into a blog post. Uh, because yeah. that's content, and and she gets progressively better at it. The more you do it, the better you get at it. It's a simple algorithm. Shelley? But I yeah. am interested in this course you're talking about. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, like I said, it's it's just an idea right now. Mm -hmm. For now, I, everybody go to Shelley's blog post because yeah, anything that we, you can do to work on consistent content. And here's the big thing about content. It, it this is a secret. Nobody knows this. Mm -hmm. The more you do it, the better you get. Mm -hmm. That's true. <laughs> uh, we like, agree with you. Yeah, just like with anything else. Yeah. So write, figure, try to write 10 things of content that you'll never post. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter if you post it or not. Just write it. Get into the habit of doing it. Because uh -huh. like I said, the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, what should, this is, this is kind of like, we need to have some fundamentals in place uh, and, and we need to know what works and what's not working. And we have some, we've got to figure some things out and then maybe we can go to somebody like, <clears throat> like Ty and say, okay, now that I've got this figured out, help me optimize, help me make it even better. Um, but what are the things that a prospective client should have in place in their business before you're able to best help them with their digital marketing? We actually, between our marketing and my personal coaching business, we actually help businesses from day one if they really need it. So there's not much that you need. You need to be in business more than anything. That would definitely help. But we help businesses develop their vision, their mission, their strategy for their business. We help them with their marketing. One of the biggest problems that I see with websites these days is they websites can have errors on the back end that you will never see. You, have, you can have a beautiful website. It's like putting a wax job on a car where the engine's broken. It's going to look great, but it's not going to go very far. And there are many, many websites out there that have these errors that are stopping them from getting higher in the search engines. But we even help with that. And so there's not a lot that we don't do to help customers. Our big thing is SEO. It's, it's getting your website to the top of the search engines because that's the number one way that people are going to hire you for your products and services. Even today, even with social media and everything else, it's your website that's your cornerstone for your marketing. But like I said, we will do everything we can to help our businesses from where they are now to get to that point. So one of the reasons we keep inviting you back to our show is that you're such a good free advice, <laughs> free advice but a great storyteller as well. So tell our listeners a story uh, about what you learned from working with one of your most recent clients. Oh, I'll pick on a client that I'm actually working with right now. Her teenage daughter developed their website. And I if don't quote me, I'm pretty sure that she was 14 years old. One of the best websites I've actually seen. Mm -hmm. It had almost no errors on it. It was fast. It was visually attractive. It blew me away because so many websites I see are not like this. And here's this teenage girl. The, the very first time she developed a website, it looked great. But again, the content wasn't necessarily there. When I first looked at it, I had this, this laundry list of things. 
that I thought should change. It's just how my brain works. And then I started talking to her. I learned that her teenage daughter had done this and everything just changed in the back of my mind. I was like, this is amazing. I want to hire this girl when she gets old enough because <laughs> if this is her first website, I, w- I want that. <laughs> Very nice. Um, but one of the big things I learned was I was making assumptions. I've been doing this for a while and sometimes I'll make an assumption. These people do safaris and it's pretty cool stuff. I'm really excited to be working with them and helping them out. So I had these assumptions about safaris and I sent them this information content that I had been working on and the lady was very polite and she got back to me and she said, well, actually much of what you said was not right. (laughs) So I have to go back to what I tell my clients and remember to stop assuming and ask more questions. To me, asking questions is, is the biggest thing. And that's, and I would thank them for helping me to relearn that. And I should know that because I'm a coach. I ask questions all the time when I'm coaching, but I get into my, my SEO mindset and I forget to ask the questions sometimes. So I'd say that was the biggest thing that I learned while working with this client who I'm actually still working with. Nice. Yeah. Sometimes we think we know stuff. (laughs) We we didn't know that after all. (laughs) Uh, So I want to dive deeply into something that we are currently working on. And I know you have a lot of knowledge. Um, How does a website affect marketing success? Well, like like I already said, Shelly, your website has to be your cornerstone. If And here's a perfect example why. I used to know two companies that were actually bigger than my company. They had like, one of them had 15 employees. And so they were big and their entire marketing strategy was helping people, helping businesses get onto Google (laughs) plus, which is no longer here. Of course, that not they didn't help with Facebook or YouTube, but it was just Google plus. And their whole thought was Google is a billion dollar multi-billion dollar dollar company they're never going to shut it down (laughs) and of course they did and they did it simply because it didn't make them or it didn't do what they wanted to do i won't say it didn't make them money i have no idea exactly why but the reason has to be it didn't do what they were expecting it to do tomorrow now we don't no one believes this could actually happen but tomorrow mr zuckerberg could say i don't want to do facebook anymore let me just hit the off button Mm-hmm. It's his website. It's not ours. Mm-hmm. He can shut it down anytime he wants, but your website can't be shut down by someone else. Now there, now maybe you have it with a hosting company and the hosting company shuts down, but then you just move your website to another company. And even that doesn't happen very often. Websites were the cornerstone really of, of marketing as far back as 1995, maybe even before that, when I started doing it in 1995, they're the cornerstone today. You can do all the social media that you want to do, but at the end of your social media, lead people back to your website, get people to your website, get people on your email list. If they're on your social media list, that's great. But again, Zuckerberg one day decided, I don't want as many people to see your posts as they used to. So they flicked a button and now rather than the 1100 followers that I have seeing my posts, I get an average of 10. Mm -hmm. 
all because that's what they wanted. They want me to pay to boost the post so that more people will see it. That will never happen when people are on your own email list, when people are looking at your own website. You have that control. So I believe that no matter what goes on in the next even five to 10 years, it's still going to be websites that are going to be the cornerstone of every business. So um, I'm, the question I'm about to ask deals with social media, but mm -hmm. I'd like to hear what your thoughts are on the fact that, uh, that Meta, Zuckerberg's uh, corporation, lost $200 billion in value this last week over a bad earnings report. What do you think that indicates in terms of uh, the big social media platforms like Facebook? And that's not the next question on the list, but I'd like <laughs> to hear your opinion on it. To tell you the truth, I don't watch the news very often, so I didn't even know that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry about that. I, I look at things, I like to look at things from a more long-term point of view. I think in the short term, yeah, it's probably going to affect things a little bit. But in the long term, I don't think it'll affect a lot. I said that the Zuckerberg could shut off Facebook tomorrow. I doubt that he will. Uh-huh. You know, um, the one thing I would think is, is they're probably going to look at how can they pivot? How can they change? Uh, I remember the, the very first day when it, when it hit the news that Facebook actually lost more followers than it gained that day. Mm -hmm. And it's just the end of Facebook. And what was that? <laughs> Seven, eight years ago that that happened. And yet Facebook is still growing. Mm -hmm. So I don't take too much stock in the short-term stuff. That's probably why I don't trade in the stock market because I don't, I'm not interested in buying and selling every day. <laughs> I think long-term, really whether it's Facebook or some other company that even replaces Facebook, social media is here to stay. It, it's going to change. It already has changed. When Facebook first came out, it was very rare that there were videos at all on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Today we're live streaming on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So it's going to change, but as far as going away, I really don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. So at least, uh, at least, at least, it did. At least oh. a couple of my daughters were in college at the time that Facebook opened up to other than college students, mm. and I and I let them know uh, that I I wanted to friend them on Facebook, and they were and they were like, "Dad, what are you? You know, it's just stay on MySpace, Dad." MySpace. So as long as we're on the topic, how do you feel social media, the use of social media should figure into your marketing strategies? I think social media is great for, for getting people to know your brand. A client of mine about, well, it was probably a couple of months ago now, I was talking with them and they were actually so excited because they had a new client themselves and it was specifically from the social media channel. And so they were so excited about it. And they're saying, it's working. You know, all my marketing is working. Well, they've been doing this marketing on their social media for a couple of years now. And so I had to ask, I said, well, how many clients have you gotten specifically from social media? Well, it was one. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't say that social media is so much a, a sales generating tool, but it's a great tool to help keep what they call TOMA, top of mind awareness. It keeps your brand out there. It keeps people seeing you doing stuff so that when they do think of you, they're going to go and they're going to try to find you. Here's the big thing that I've noticed, and this isn't for everybody. I know people that make a ton of money on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok, all the different channels, but it's really not that many. 
most people will find will hear about you from the social media then they'll go to the internet and they'll research you more and if you've got it designed right they'll eventually end up at your website which is where they'll generally contact you and hire you so i think social media definitely plays a role in your marketing strategy, but I don't think it's as big as a, of a role as a lot of people make it out to be. And I, and I think you and I can agree that we're talking about the big brands, not necessarily what are referred to as individual influencers. Individual influencers, why they, why they may, while they may generate income as a result of the activity on their uh, on whatever platform they're on, they're not thinking of it in terms of a brand other than their own brand. The the brands that I think of are you know, Kellogg's who uses Instagram very efficiently to promote its brand in the same way that you described. Shelly? Yeah. Uh, companies like that, they, they're, they're actually, the way that they're promoting is paid advertising, which to me is different than just regular social media postings as well. Yeah. Uh -huh. Right, right. Um, well, let's talk about that since you brought it up. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the difference between uh, using social media as a, play, a, a paid paid advertising or organic um, awareness campaign. What what uh, what do you recommend for people to do? Well, let's if you don't mind, let's split that up into three: okay. social media, paid advertising, organic placements because those can actually be three different things. You can do social media posts without paying for them. And again, most of the social media places are restricting how many people see it. Last I heard, TikTok is actually not restricting it. If you have a thousand followers, they're gonna show it to all thousand people or at least a vast majority of them. I don't think that's gonna last. The day will come when TikTok is gonna to wanna to make money off of that as well. But for now, they're not, but most of them restrict it. So if, but that doesn't mean that no one will see it. I was talking with a friend, uh, we had a conversation earlier, a good friend of mine, we're actually working on a, a, a training on how to hire remote workers. And he is on LinkedIn. And he said that his posts are starting to get a thousand views per post. Mm -hmm. And those are not promoted. And I've never actually seen a thousand views per post on LinkedIn before. So what he's doing seems to be doing very well. So you can do it without being without promoting it. But you can also create ads. And to me, this is one of the ways that Facebook shines for people that want to do ads because they're not going to cost you $10,000 to do an ad. You can do ads on Facebook and you can say, I only want to spend two bucks a day or I only want to spend 10 cents per person that sees it. Now, the 10 cents may not get too many people, but the two bucks a day might get it. And you can really boil down exactly who you want to see the ad. You can say, I only want men and women who are 35 to 40 years old who live in Iowa to, to watch. I mean, you can get that specific. And so we actually use Facebook ads to test our ads before we put them in other places, <laughs> simply because it's so cheap to do it. Uh, the, the third part is, of course, advertising and doing not just Facebook ads, but let's say Facebook, Google, even YouTube. And here's one of the things that's not quite as secret as it used to be. YouTube video ads actually cost less than Facebook ads do now. And you can do a, the tough part is, is you have to do a video. So a lot of people aren't as comfortable with that. But for the price, you can actually get a lot more bang for your buck doing YouTube ads. And that's a recent transition. Uh, Facebook up until recently was cheaper than YouTube. 
And yeah. whatever decision YouTube made, uh, they decided whatever the decision was, it was to lower the price so that they were com at least competitive and sometimes better than Facebook. Oh, I didn't realize it went that way. I know I know Facebook raised their prices, but I didn't realize that YouTube lowered, lowered those at the same they, time. It was the combination of the two. Okay. And I think part of it was the fact that they were getting pressure uh, as a result of the success of TikTok with their short form video. Mm -hmm. So that makes TikTok, sense. Yeah. TikTok has forced a lot of change in the social media uh, uh, platform world uh, just because of the behaviors associated with the TikTok users. So that's a pretty, it's a, it's a social study, not social media study. It's a social, <laughs> social study. Yeah. So still back to you. So, all right. Uh, let's see, where were we? Oh, let's get into email marketing. How can we use email marketing most effectively? I'd say the number one way to use it effectively is to create an email list and to use a, an email marketing program, um, active campaign, MailChimp, whatever it might be that you decide to use. And, but again, email marketing is all about content. And the content, here's the big thing about email marketing is that content starts with your title. You got to get a title that's going to attract the people because if you don't have one that attracts them, what are they going to do? They're going to hit delete or worse, they're going to hit spam. And here's what a lot of people don't know right now, especially people starting out in email marketing. If you send an email to someone on Gmail and they hit spam, Google catches that and they're going to, if enough people hit spam, they're just going to put it in the spam box of everybody. So you've got to watch that very carefully. You've got to make sure that you do email marketing to only people that want it. I still get this today. I'll contact somebody or I'll talk to somebody and I'll give them my business card. And less than a week later, I'm on their email list. <clears throat> That's actually been illegal for over 10 years now. That's the definition of spam pretty much. Yeah, that's the, they're not supposed to do that. And that's the number one way you get spam. So make sure that you have permission from people before you ever put them on your email list. That doesn't mean you can't email them. I email people all the time, just out of the blue, but it's a very personal email. I'll talk to them about something that I know. They won't actually be on my email list. I'll give them the opportunity to get on that list, but I won't email them from that list without them actually asking for it or giving me permission to do it in the first place. I think that's the biggest thing that people do. They, they want a whole bunch of people on their email list. So they'll throw everybody they can onto it, but don't do that. That's actually the wrong way to do it. And it will hurt you now. <laughs> yeah. You have to be very cautious with it and you have to make sure you're following the rules. And that's why it makes sense to use yeah. an email services provider rather than you trying to do it directly out of your Gmail account. So that that's how not to do it. So tell us how yeah. to do it. <laughs> The, the best way to do it is actually, and, and Toby and Shelley, what you guys do to me, and I don't know if you specifically train people on email, but I think a lot of your training can be used in email because if you can combine good imagery with good content and a good video, you've got a great email. Mm -hmm. If you can combine those three things, I do an email list and I've been adding things to my, my email list used to, I just used to just say, you know, here's what's going on with my podcast this week. And that's all I would say. And then I started adding in my YouTube videos when I do, when I do YouTube videos and the number of people wanting to be on the list jumped up. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that people started liking that. 
Then I added in, you know, here's the books that we're reading or here's what we're listening to or here's what we're watching this week. And this little thing at the bottom, the number of people jumped up again, the number of people opening my emails went up. I've got an open rate higher than the standard industry simply because I'm doing more, more interactive. I'm giving the people the chance to interact more. And so I, I, so let me rephrase that interaction is going to be the big thing with emails. Don't think of it as just a text email that you send out to people. Think of it, try to figure out a way to make it interactive for the people and you're going to get a larger open rate and you're going to get more people who are going to want to subscribe. Yeah. I try to keep the things in there that are personal. Um, like this week I talked about Valentine's day and, and some life coaching type of uh, stuff. And uh, we talk about what's going on in our lives and uh, we include pictures. Sometimes Toby's grandchildren, sometimes a, this week it was a picture that he and I created together. That was a, like a Valentine type of a picture. Uh, you know, just these things that, that are more personal. And then I also include industry news because a lot of our, uh, followers are into social media or podcasting or live streaming and that sort of thing. So I try to include other people's uh, blogs or, you know, I'll just give them a little intro to, you know, if you're interested in this particular topic, go, you know, here's a great blog on it or a great video on it. Or, you know, every week I have something like that, just industry news. Um, and we have a really pretty good open rate somewhere in the forties. That's fantastic. That's very good. Yeah, and we, they, they know us, but they know us in a very personal way. And Shelly's done a really good yeah. job. Shelly handles the email uh, each week at, or and does nothing more for me than just kind of call me and say, here's what I need. And, and uh, I leave it up to her because it is coming from her. It tends to be more personal. I look at some of my older emails and they were very uh, mechanical. You know, uh, she does a really good job of personalizing it. I'm sorry, you were going to say something. No, actually, I was going to agree with Shelly 100%. I have a tough time being personal. I'm kind of a private person, mm -hmm. actually. So I have a tough time writing personal things in my emails. But I've also found when I do that, I get a much higher open rate than times when I don't. And a much higher click rate, too, as well. So, Shelly, yeah, great job. That's that's a, probably one of the best ways to do it. Don't make the whole thing personal. Right. Yeah. Put little personal things into each one. To me, I've, I've seen that that helps a lot, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's more opens. We've noticed there are more opens when there's some sense uh, that there are pictures. I do want to say you called it a title, but what uh, Ty was referring to oh. is the subject line in your email. That's tremendously important. That's that's you know ninety percent of whether they're going to open it or not. Yeah, thank you, Toby. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Yeah. Uh, so I, we touched on this earlier in uh, in a couple of previous questions, but in in what ways are content creation and distribution a factor in marketing success? Content creation to me is one hundred and thirteen percent. No, not not that high, of course, but I'd say a good seventy to eighty percent. In fact, lately, in let me pick on 2021 between March and August of 2021, Google did seven updates to its search engine. And the number one thing it did on its updates is looking at content. All seven of the updates had to do with content. Google usually does one to two updates a year. So to do seven updates in six month period of time is huge, but to have all seven of them to have something to do with content, is ginormous for, for anybody, let alone Google. 
and so getting the right content and i don't know how to say this the best way i'll just say i'll just say getting the right content getting good quality content onto your website to me is the number one thing but it's not just the website just like we talked about with email the subject line of your email the title of a blog post what is it that they're the people the people that you want to read it the people that you want to watch your youtube video what is it that you think will attract them to that the most and you need to title it according to that so to me the title is number one but what is the title think about it it's still content it still really boils down to getting good quality content and especially with titles and subjects is shrinking that content to make it informative in as few words as you can is just huge. So we get, uh, and and I'm sure you can address this to uh, an extent as well. We get questions from some of our clients about what is content? What do you mean? You know, you use that word often. What is content? We tell them content is, and I'm going to paraphrase what you said, content is anything you can address with a title, a description, and tags. Whatever follows that, if you can do title, description, and tags, which is what Google and all the other search engines are looking for, then you can produce a piece of content. Now, you can't do title, description, and tags and not do anything. After that, there has to be some text or a video or an audio or combinations of pictures and text. That's what, that's what content is. Content is addressable. It's searchable and it's addressable, and it's indexable, right? That's right. I made up that word, by the way. I don't think <laughs> there is such a word, is it? It means Google can index that piece of content. Right. So, uh, and it resides on the internet. So there's, it's not a difficult description. Title, description, and tags, followed by something of substance. And that is not to imply that all content is good. Mm-hmm. I would say about um, 60% of the content out there mm-hmm. is terrible. <laughs> but it's still, it's, and the reason I know it's terrible is because I can search it. It's been indexed as bad as it was, you know. Yeah. Shelly, over to you. I just wanted to make sure Ty had anything to add before oh, we moved okay. on. Yeah. Well, I, there's something that, if you don't mind, this isn't part of your questions, but could I talk about the biggest no no in content? Yes. Absolutely. And, and Shelly and Toby, you both will recognize this as soon as I say it. I, me, Anytime you talk about I or me, I see so many websites. You go to the front page. Hey, look at me. Look at my business. My business is so great. I've been in business for 20 years. Here's a picture of my family. My family is great. What have I not said? Well, I haven't said what I actually do yet. (laughs) If you can change I, me to you, you will automatically upgrade the quality of your content. Don't talk about what my business is to me. Talk about what my business can do for you. What what problem do I solve? Because think about it. The internet is a problem solver. Google is a problem solver. YouTube. How many the 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 biggest majority of videos on YouTube are how-to videos, how to solve a problem. So if you can think about your number one messages, what problem do people have and how can I best solve it? Think about it. CEOs of companies that make millions of dollars a year. They're the CEO because they're the best at solving the biggest problems. So the bigger the problem you can solve, the more money you're going to make at doing it. 
And to me, that's the biggest no-no of content marketing is not answering that question of how you solve people's problems right up front, very first thing on the front page of your website. Mm -hmm. To substantiate that, I'm going to read the second sentence in <laughs> Shelley's blog post. Second sentence, all right? The more content you create, the more chances you have to engage with your audience and grow your business. Live streaming gets you there quicker. Perfect. So I know we're strong with us. Very good, That's Michelle. what I like. Very nice. Great job, Shelley. That's yeah. the point. <laughs> um, let's see, where was I? Oh, so of course, we have a lot less face-to-face -face contact, a lot less uh, live events, a lot less um, networking events in person than we did a few years ago. And um, so what are the best alternatives to face-to-face -to -face networking and other live events? I know that the extroverts out there are really hating this, but I'm a total introvert, so I'm loving this non-face-to-face -face stuff. <laughs> I can't tell you, I went to a tech conference I think it was a month. Oh, I'm sorry. My dog is doing oh. something right now. But I went to a, a, a tech conference about a month before the shutdowns hit in COVID. And I am a total techie nerd. I can talk tech for hours and hours. Mm -hmm. I went into this conference. I was there for five minutes and I left because I felt so nervous about being there. Mm -hmm. And so, but I get into these tech conferences on Zoom or was it OWL or some of the other new digital programs that are out there. And I love it because if I don't, I don't feel like I have to connect right away and try to figure out some sort of small talk thing to say until I get comfortable enough being there that I can, that I can open up. And so to me, for introverts, just this whole thing has been awesome. Uh, I don't know all of the different online things that are out there. I do work with several companies. I've been to several networking events. They've used different programs doing it. To me, the big thing is, that I've noticed is that they've just, the quality has been growing so much. Where in 2020, I'll, I'll 2020 specifically, you know, Zoom stock went skyrocketing and Zoom had to hire, what, 400 new people in huh. about four months or something like that. I mean, it was just to, just to keep up with what they were doing. But Zoom is only one way of doing things. I went to another conference where you go in and you see the screen and each screen has different tables and you can go to different tables and there's six to eight people per table that you can talk to and then you can move tables. It's getting pretty cool, the this, this stuff that they're doing. I'm, I'm really hoping to see, even as things open up, that they do more of a hybrid, that we can do both in-person and virtual at the same time. That's what I'm looking forward to. So the uh, the event that we attended in October was very much that way, virtual. And you met our good friend, uh, DJ Heckes, of uh, mm -hmm. Exhibit. And she went from a purely practical uh, perspective on trade shows and those kinds of affairs to a what I'd call a mixed what's hybrid. Good? Hybrid. So she's doing what you just suggested, which is a combination of both the live networking right. and some sort of way to integrate it into uh, streaming and, you know, making people that can't be there or don't want to be there, giving them the option of how to be there. So that's great. Um, what do you recommend to your clients to attract? What's better? I was just reading the comment. Oh, 
<laughs> um, what do you recommend to attract digital media attention, such as podcasts, blogs, online? What combinations? What are the what are the combinations that you recommend to your clients? That's one of the things. That's why I'm looking at helping my clients much more with strategy rather than very specific things because it's really seeming to segment more depending upon the kind of business. I've got some businesses where LinkedIn is amazing for them, but Facebook does nothing. I have another business where oh, the, the, the Safari business, uh, company that I'm working with, they had a Facebook page and they've been posting pictures every few days, but they had zero followers. Hmm. And so I asked them about that. I said, well, why, do you, don't, why don't you have any followers? Because you've got these amazing Safari pictures of lions and all. And it was really cool, but no one's seeing them. Mm -hmm. And they just said, oh, we hadn't thought about it. So four days later, they had over 100 followers. <laughs> Just by telling people, yeah, that blew me away. I wanted to, I want to learn how they did that. Uh -huh. <laughs> Getting a hundred followers in four days is, is amazing, but they did. And people started sharing it and they liked it and they can they're just getting more followers all the time now. But I realized that, and Instagram is another thing that they're on. They have several hundred followers on Instagram already because the visuals are so great. Yeah. I run an SEO company. I can't even think of a visual half the time. So Instagram isn't for me. I tried Instagram. It, it did not work well. We have a good following on Facebook. We have a better following even on LinkedIn. But so it depends on the kind of business. And that's why I'm trying to work more on helping companies with their strategy because the more social media gets there with TikTok and Clubhouse and everything else that's going on and ones that are going away because... I even heard the clubhouse was taking a break or stopping adding followers for a while. Mm. And I don't really know if that was true, but I, I just heard that once, but things like that do happen. So figuring out the right strategy for each business to me is the most important thing. Very nice. So if you were to say you wanted some publicity for your business, you wanted some media attention, you want to have the local morning news show call you up and for an interview or, or something like that, where you just want that attention for you, your expertise, your brand and your business. What's the best way to go about doing something like that? To me, that would be getting on podcasts, talking to you guys, because you help people get on podcasts and you help people develop podcasts. One thing that I did in the beginning of 2021 is I actually started my own podcast and that has helped me out quite a lot as well. We, are pretty high in the search engines, but the podcast got us in front of a different kind of audience, not outside of our target audience. It was just our target audience that isn't big on reading. They wanted to listen more. And now I'm, I'm actually doing YouTube more thanks to you guys. I took a cue from you guys. So I'm doing more of my stuff on YouTube as well. And I'm reaching an audience that likes to watch more than they like to you know, read or listen. And so to me, it's really about looking at which audience you want to go for. I think if you want to get on the local news, you've got to do something that maybe is outside of your normal business. Talk about how you help with charities. Talk about some event that you volunteered for. I'd say positive things like that. You don't want the negative things. Uh, it was probably about six months ago now, I got a couple of phone calls because it was got big over the internet about how two security guards were shot to death at Port Bell. And there is a port in Africa called Port Bell. Oh my mm. goodness. 
which I never knew about when I started my company. And so, so no, the two security guards that got shot, it was not my company. It wasn't even in America. It was in Africa. But so, excuse me, but, but I, but I do have to say that the number of people who went to my website shot up by a hundredfold that day as well. Oh. <laughs> There's an idea. <laughs> Did you have to bury that by doing other things then? Well, no, it, it, it actually went away pretty quickly, which makes me wonder about how corrupt the, the African area is there. <laughs> but anyway. So um, one of the big things that we have to deal with with our clients is uh, how to attract more leads. And this isn't an easy question to answer, but we have to ask, what steps would you recommend to an individual who has a limited budget, limited time uh, to attract more leads? What, they can, what, what can somebody do to attract more leads? Figure out what you can do to give away. And I'm not talking about services. I'm not talking about giving away something that, that's worth well, not, I won't say worth money, you know, don't, you don't have to necessarily give away your products, but let's say you have a product that solves a, a problem. Teach people on how to best use that product. For my, for SEO, I have many different giveaways. I have a giveaway on, for people to make sure that their website's even ready for SEO. I have a giveaway on different marketing strategies. I do things like this all the time. To me, this is a giveaway. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm giving of my expertise. How can you give your expertise to people? The, that is the, the new way of selling. Really, it's, it's not saying, I have this product, come and buy it from me. It's, I have this product, I'm the expert on it. Here's how I show you I'm the expert on it. Then let them decide whether or not they want to hire you or buy from you. That's wonderful advice and simple to understand. That's what that's what I like about what you do for your clients is it doesn't take a lot of effort to implement what you're uh, what you're describing, what you're talking about, Shelley. Well, we're going to ask our last question. Um, I know that you have a specific takeaway piece of advice that you want everybody to hear, understand, and take away from today's show. And then after you've given us that, uh, just tell everybody where they can find you online. My biggest takeaway piece of advice is is really it's work on content, whether you do it yourself, whether you even hire someone else to do it, even if you have a small staff, maybe you'll hire a freelancer to do it. I wouldn't hire a freelancer to do it all because you want it to be in your words, but it's a lot easier to look at a page and change what's already there than to look at a blank page and try to figure out what to say. So maybe hire a freelancer to do the, the rough draft and then finish it off yourself work on better content for your website. And, and like, like with Shelly's blog post, like what I said, work on you. What can you say to use the word you rather than the word I when you're talking, especially on the main page of your, of your web page? To me, that's the biggest takeaway. The second thing is, of course, your website can be great like I talked about. You can have a nice, great wax job on a car that has a broken engine. It's gonna look great, but it's not gonna go far. So I have a, a giveaway. Go to tiesfreebook.com and you can do a work a worksheet to make sure that your website is ready for the search engines to be able to index it. That's a really important thing. And so you can go to that, you can get that, or you can even go to just portbell.com, my website. I've got my giveaways in my cheat sheets section. I also have a video on what is SEO because a lot of people, I mean, SEO is a word that gets thrown around for all sorts of different things these days, but you don't necessarily um, uh, 
that just gives a better definition of, of what SEO is. I was actually on a motorcycle ride one day, client called me and I stopped to, to take his call and he asked me that question. That's actually why I created that video in the first place was because of that. And is, I'm actually, I think I'm sitting on my motorcycle answering the question. Oh, front page of his website, you can see that. So uh, um, this is uh, Ty's free book, but you can also go to uh, portbelt.com and let's see, is it on the front page? Did you see it? Right there. Okay. Right there's, there. yeah. Oh, there's the motorcycle video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right there in front. So um, I can tell you for those of you that are are that are confounded over SEO, Cy, uh, Ty does the, uh, the greatest job of making it simple and easy to understand and helping you to implement the right protocols and strategies that's going to give you an effective, an SEO effective uh, website without you um, stretching it too far. Yeah. And we're we're looking forward to uh, going through that all that freebies that Ty is offering, Ty's free book, and uh, improving our own website presence as well, because we keep hearing it, and we're finally going to do it. <laughs> so uh, we, I have posted those two uh, Ty's websites for both his free book and his website in the comments below, and I'll add them to the description box uh, for the video and the podcast. All right? Thank Shall you. I close this out? All right. Well, we want to thank you, Ty, for being here with us again today uh, and all the wonderful, helpful information that you provide. And we are um, looking forward to having you as an expert in our upcoming book about digital marketing. So thank you so much for doing that for us. I'm looking forward to reading that book too. I'm, I'm looking forward to reading what the other people say as well. It'll be fun. We, uh, I like the idea of it and I like the way we're going to put it together. So yeah, thanks for joining us. And I'm sure we're going to see you again in the future. Uh, me too. Thank you so much. Our pleasure. Thank you for joining Messages and Methods Livecast Life 2.0 hosted by Shelley Carney and Toby Eunice. Please subscribe and leave a comment or question, and we'll consider your ideas for future shows. Share this podcast with your family and friends so they can learn about current digital marketing practices, too. Check the show notes for links and resources and please come back again next week.